Well, good evening, everyone, or I should say hola. Uh, we've just wrapped up the Spanish Grand Prix. And while everyone knows what number one, who number one was, we're going to have a discussion about everything else. So welcome to the 36th episode of Toast the Talk, part of the Toast Network. If you want to be following all our other sports, which is cricket, soccer, just sign up on the Toast Network. And to all our F1 fans, hello. And with me, I have some regular panelists of ours. Uh, a happy day for actually both of them, uh, if you look at the podium. So, hey, Sunny and hey, Vignesh. What are your first thoughts about the Spanish Grand Prix weekend? We can start off with you, Sunny. I thought it was a very good race. Entertaining, overtaking from start to finish. Jumbled up order uh, prior to the start of the race. Uh, you know, the, the usual front runners were struggling to get their tires heated up during the qualifying session. And so many of them qualified, quote-unquote, out of position. We had some opportunities at the front for guys like the McLaren guys, the Alpine guys. Overall, of course, the front runners came to the, to the actual front of the race, but I think the race is very interesting to start to finish. No retirement, no clumsy moves. Quite a good race. Yep. Quickly, let's hear Vignesh's thoughts before I touch upon some of the points that you brought up. Um, yeah, I would just say that, okay, uh, thanks to Sp Spanish GP remodeling the circuit and uh, remodeling the last turn, it gave exciting race for this weekend's uh, session. Yeah, I mean, uh, the number of overtakes this race made a little more exciting. Uh, Haas would probably complain because every time they did a lap around the circuit, someone would overtake them. But <laughs> apart from that, it did provide some excitement, some expectations that things could change, similar to the rain clouds that stayed in the distance but never came in. But, yeah. Sunny, from your perspective, Red Bull, I mean, Max obviously was miles ahead, like even if he had got the penalty, which, by the way, for our viewers, would you like to explain what was the whole conversation around the penalty and the black and white flag that he received? Yeah, sure. So, for, there was no penalty. The rule from this year onwards is if a driver exceeds the white lines on the track, now if you look at every circuit on the outer edge of the asphalt, there are these white lines. Those are the track limits. And so if the driver goes over those white lines up to three times during the course of the race, it's about fine. Yes, the driver will be warned. But that is just a warning to uh, be reminded that you're exceeding the track limits. The fourth time onwards, there will be a penalty imposed on the driver. So in this situation, we had Max Verstappen crossing the white lines of the track three times. And the fourth time, which did not happen, but had it happened, there would have been a five-second penalty. But of course, that would not have mattered in the overall scheme of things, given uh, he was about 25 seconds up the road. And so even if five seconds would have been 18, 19 seconds in the lead. So overall, it doesn't matter. And one of the best uh, analogies that I've heard about Max Verstappen is you can compare Verstappen to the T1000. You remember this iconic movie Terminator? 
Hey, uh, I think Sunny, we're losing out to you. Your volume's gone low. And now we can't hear you at all. Okay, sure. Similar to how now the race went for. Yeah, but actually that brings me over to Vignesh. Like the qualifying was very interesting, right? Like we had a mix-up of the order. Uh, Leclerc was nowhere in the top 10. Usually you'd see him there. Uh, we had Norris who was surprised himself to be at the third place. Like, what did you, and Sainz was obviously second, uh, home ground advantage. Uh, none of them were able to convert that. What is your take on what changed between the qualifiers and the final for these drivers? First of all, I would say the biggest difference between qualifiers and the finals was the positioning of the other team. You see Leclerc was out. You see Perez was out. You see Russell was out. Now, Russell and Hamilton gave me a reminder of the 2016 vibes between Nico Rosberg and Hamilton. But yeah. What happens is when the top three teams only have three drivers in the top ten, the standings can change considerably, and that's what did. Now, considering that, you understand that the uh, energy power of these teams are way way higher compared to the backmarkers or the midfielders. So in this way, you could see that okay, Perez was swooping in for the fourth place. Russell was in twelfth, and because of which he could attain a podium. Leclerc was one standout where. He, he was at the same position as Perez, but then he couldn't capitalize on that. So, in a way, what I believe is that although they had qualified mainly because of a disastrous run by the top three teams, the actual um, engine power is what played into the hands of these top three teams in the finals. Makes sense. I'm going to do a quick sound check with Sunny. Yeah, am I audible? Yeah, loud and clear. Welcome back. Loud and clear. Okay, great. Well, thank you. So I, I hope um, you caught my uh, my take on the new rules regarding the black and white flag and the race limits, uh, track limits, sorry. Did you get that? Yeah, I think we caught the initial bit. All right. So so what I was saying regarding the um, the track limits, Verstappen was given the black and white flag uh, towards the end of the race and there was a threat of a five-second penalty being imposed on him after the race concludes. Now, the reason for that is uh, from this year onwards, the white lines that you see on the edge of the track, um, those are the racing, those are the track limits. So if a driver exceeds those white lines, and when I say exceeds, all four tires of the car are beyond mm -hmm. the edge of the line, the white line, completely out of it, very clearly and completely out of it. So if that happens up to three times during the race, then the driver will be warned, there'll be no penalty, but there'll be a warning. And that warning will be the black and white flag to indicate that the warning is happening. The fourth occurrence beyond the, the white lines of the track, there will be a penalty. So in this particular race, Max Verstappen had crossed those white lines. The full car had crossed the white lines up to three times. And the fourth time, there would have been a penalty. However, of course, there was no fourth time. And even if there was, would not have mattered because... Max Verstappen was about 25 seconds or so up the road. So five seconds would have still been about 20 seconds in the lead. So that was, that was fine. Now, my second point regarding Max Verstappen himself, 
Now, I, as I was saying, I read a lot of uh, books, uh, articles, and podcasts also in between races and in between our session also. And one of the best analogies that I have uh, seen and heard about uh, Verstappen is that he is comparable to the T-1000. You know the T-1000? There was this gr the, the big hit movie Terminator, which was a great movie. And then you had, it was such a big hit that you had Terminator 2, which in my opinion is one of the best movies of all time. Now the villain of that movie, the villain of Terminator 2, the liquid metal guy, that is the T-1000. Very efficient, very uh, calculating, no weaknesses at all. Max Verstappen reminds me, and even if you look closely, might even has a similar, has a kind of resemblance to the T-1000. Very efficient, no emotion, just comes, gets the job done without any hesitation, without any thinking, without any, without any uh, difficulty, just ruthlessly efficient. I mean, I think he was just so bored. That's why he was probably going off the limits to just test himself and create some excitement. But actually, no, no, just, just to interrupt you there, uh, uh, Vivek. Uh, if you heard the commentators, they are saying probably there was nothing of the kind was happening. They were just looking for excuses to uh, make it challenging for, for Max. Maybe Verstappen was not crossing the line at all, but they had, okay, let's, let's find something to make it interesting. You never know. But actually, what was really interesting this weekend has been the upgrades that Mercedes got. Mm. And I want Vignesh to talk about that and the, obviously the performance that they had to get back on the podium two and three. See, once again, I would say that okay, Mercedes upgrades were good, considering that, okay, their idea actually brought them uh, upgrades to Monaco, a place where you should not be testing your upgrades. So they never had a feel of okay what the real upgrades is going to look. Spain has been traditionally a circuit where all the teams bring the upgrade, considering it was used for testing and other things. And that's why Spain has been a strong track for an upgrade. So this is where Mercedes have understood what their upgrades are, are going to look like. I remember before the start of this uh, race session, uh, Toto Wolf was telling that okay, we have completely have no idea as to okay, how the race is going to pan for us. Which also shows that okay, they also didn't know how the updates are going to behave, considering it was brought in. With that in mind, the biggest advantage for Mercedes to be reaching a podium was the lack of the other two teams. One is the Perez, which is from Red Bull, and second is Ferrari. Now, Ferrari in their classical way destroyed themselves today, which helped Mercedes gain a top two podium on the run. Now, this can be attributed to, I'll tell you, Russell did a good job. The way Hamilton had lost to Stroll in the initial laps, and then the way Hamilton covered it up, that was really good. Russell was trying to consistently pass the Ferrari, and he was able to do that. So, in, in a way, you can understand that, okay, somewhere Ferrari's strategy was also to be blamed for the success. But in a whole, I would say the consistency of the driver, considering Russell has been a dependable driver for Mercedes. Hamilton, as usual, was his best. Finally, I was able to get the 2020 vibes, as a few people were telling. So over and over and all, today was a wonderful day for Mercedes. And I hope they celebrate it and ensure that they keep pushing for the longer run. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton on the podium just showed a very different, relaxed and, you know, he really was enjoying being on that podium. 
and splashing the champagne around even on Max Verstappen, considering the cold shouldering that they've had the previous time they've been together on the podium. Also interesting was Nico Rosberg interviewing Hamilton. But before we get into that, hey Satya, welcome. Hello, I'm so sorry for joining in late. Cooking is still going on. But, uh, so we've been discussing something about the upfront, how the changes have been. I do want to hear your thoughts. Yes, so I just had a quick update on that with respect to what Vignesh said. Now, initially the updates were all supposed to have come for Imola, which is where the testing should have happened. But because unfortunately there was a tragedy that happened in Imola with respect to the flooding and all that, is why they had no choice but to come to Monaco and where nothing would have been tested. I mean, it's a dead track when it comes to testing. And Spain, yes, just the fact that they were able to overtake much better. There were the previous races when a when a when a Merck and an Austin um, Austin Martin comes next to each other. Most of the times, the Austin wasn't ahead. There were a couple of times when you were having difficulty in overtaking, but they were able. <laughs> Russell came from P12 all the way to P3, which from the Mercs was not something expected because they have not been able to perform something of that magnitude. Perez, we were we knew for sure you'll end up in front because the Red Bulls have shown that. So as a Mercedes fan, the new upgrades are a blessing. Not sure if they can aim for P1. That can't be possible at the moment. But at least they are up ahead with the Red Bulls. I I you know I want to add Ferrari, but I can't because even if the car might be good, the strategy is baffling. Like just today, Leclerc started on soft, I mean, started on hard. Then he pit at the same time when everyone else was pitting. They switched to soft and then they went back to hard again. <laughs> I, I have no idea what, what they are doing. The strategy makes zero sense. They didn't even try to go to mediums and then stretch. They just straight away went to hards after a stint of soft so even if the car is good the strategy would still you know hit, hit them from behind yeah i mean the strategy uh, okay, I think, I no one's to... figured out their strategy yet uh they themselves no, probably but, uh, haven't but yeah vignesh i just wanted to see ferrari were trying to aim for the one stop and it was evident from soft when you're pushing on to a hard and considering see they had done their practice and then you want sorry uh, FP1, FP2, and FP3, they had a considerable amount of idea as to how the hearts are going to behave. It was just that, okay, the track, the temperature changes in the track were drastic today. And that is where, okay, Ferrari had to rethink, uh, rethink on their strategy on the go. So, in a way, in a hindsight, Ferrari's strategy was actually really brilliant. But the day didn't help them. Yeah, Ferrari did not have the pace today. I think, regardless of the strategy, if, if they tried one stop, two stop, even if they had gone for a very aggressive three-stop and tried to be pushing all the time, I think they clearly lacked the pace today because Russell was so far behind on similar tire life compared to science and still managed to overtake and finish quite comfortably ahead. So it's, I think the strategy was the second problem. The first problem was the pace, which was not there. And with regards to Mercedes also, I think uh, it's very good day for Mercedes for sure. However, this uh, track is very good track for Mercedes. It has been in the past. Even last year also, Mercedes was very strong over here. Russell, if you remember, was leading the race at one stage uh, this time last year. And Mercedes and Hamilton was at one stage last and managed to overtake everyone come to, I think it was fifth. 
So Barcelona has been a very good track for Mercedes. During the dominant years, they were way ahead of everyone else. I would say, let's wait for a few more races before we can definitely, definitively say that Mercedes is now the second best team. Uh, Barcelona has been their, their one of the best tracks, and it has been this time also. Will this continue? We'll have to wait and see. Makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> if you look at the Constructors' Championship, at the moment, Red Bull is obviously far ahead. Uh, Mercedes is at second place. Aston Martin, Mercedes is at third. And Ferrari is at fourth. Right? And then you have all the others still far behind uh, with the gap there. So let's see if that stays tuned as we get into the Canadian Grand Prix. But before we wrap up, the midfield has either got more exciting or the fact because the first place is sealed that everyone's focused more on the midfield. But I want to hear everyone's thoughts on all the other cars because there was a lot of overtaking happening in the midfield. There was a lot more excitement there. What are your thoughts? What are the drivers that you are focused on or we should be focused on? And we can start off with Satya this time. So, yes, uh, even the commentators were saying everyone else is fighting for P2 onwards. And we had around 150 plus overtakes that happened in this circuit today. I mean, in this race today. Now, midfields. Um, okay, so are we considering Ferrari as part of midfield now? Because I'm not sure where to place them, essentially. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because Ferrari, Austin Martin, and uh, I believe Alpha Tauri. These three are doing really well in the midfields. Towards the back, unfortunately, is McLaren as well. McLaren had a terrible race. McLaren, McLaren has um, Alfa Romeo and Williams. I can't even call them midfield because they are clearly in the back of the pack. So the cars we are essentially looking at would predominantly be uh, Ferrari, uh, Austin Martin and uh, Alfa Tauri. And even within this, Oh, for, for, sorry, I forgot Alpine as well. Alpine. Yeah. And with, even within this, Ferrari, I don't want to consider because they are just giving heartbreaks over again and again. Uh, within Alpha Tauri, Gasly seems to be doing well, but somehow he has a bad time with the FIA for the moment. Uh, with Alpine, Ocon is great, but then uh, he is being too aggressive. The move that he pulled on Alonso today was a bit too aggressive. And within, um, and Alonso, obviously. I mean, and within Austin Martin, he's, somehow it felt wrong that he didn't overtake Stroll because he was within the gap. But it feels weird to see an Alonso who is very supportive of the teammate. Uh, but yes, Alonso, Gasly, Ocon are the ones that even the midfields you would look, you want to look at. Makes sense. I mean, you also don't want to piss off your boss. So. True. I mean, I, I, I really want to know what his paycheck is like. But Vignesh, what are your thoughts? Okay. Uh, so from considering that, okay, I love controversies. My first take would be Okan. He loves to crash yeah. into people and get penalties. I don't know why. He got a hitting from Max a few years ago in, I believe it was in Brazil. But yeah, he has not learned from his mistakes, it seems. So yeah, my first take would be okay. I mean, he got penalties even today, right? I mean, yesterday for today. And I I would love to see Norris performing well. He was 
dubbed as the next Lewis Hamilton by the McLaren team, considering the way McLaren are. But yeah, considering that Norris has kept his heads pretty high. He has never complained against the team. So that's a trait of a true Stallman driver. And I would love to see him perform better. The third might be an unusual choice is uh, Hulkenberg. Now, he has been an underrated driver for a long time. Haas, being in the back end, he has given him the flexibility. And considering he has a teammate like K-Max, Hulk can perform better. And that is why these, these would be the three midfield drivers I would like to see perform way, way better. And one team which I would love to see perform better is Ferrari. They need to understand that, okay, strategy, car, and the day has to work in a synchronous thing for them to win. I understand that he, as a, probably a non-Ferrari fan or probably as a fan, fan, people normally bash Ferrari. A driver has, if you're in Ferrari, you have very high pressure. The thing is that, okay, that's where it leads to the team's fault. I would love the team to like come to a blank slate remove all the pressure of their head and start a new slate and I am very sure that they would start winning championship again. Fingers crossed for them. Sunny, how about you? I think there are a lot of other talking points, uh, Vivek. One is, of course, the the stewarding for this race, the qualifying and the, the race, which I thought was below par this time. Uh, maybe I, if I can ask the other uh, my peers and panelists, what you thought of the stewarding, throwing the red flag and qualifying when nothing happened? Yeah, okay, some gravel was there maybe, but that's nothing. And then even in the race, we had Sunoda who was penalized for what, in my opinion, very unfairly. Uh, Joe was on the outside, lunging forward on the brakes. You can't just overtake. That, that is the racing line that Sunoda had taken. And, and Joe was, was only ahead because he was breaking so much later from so far back. That was very harsh penalty, which even the commentators called out. So I thought that was very harsh from the stewards and the red flag and qualifying is completely unnecessary in my view. Just it didn't make reaction. any sense. The red flag didn't make zero oh, yeah. sense so, because it yeah. was not like there was, it was gravel on the track either. I never understood why there was a red flag for that. And Sunny, I completely agree yeah. with you with respect to Sunoda because A, he never touched him. B, Sunoda break late. You are allowed to break late. And if Joe can see that he's breaking late, it is up to Joe to either back off or take the side road, which he did. So Sunoda should not have been yeah. penalized at all. Comparatively, you know, Ocon should have been penalized yeah. for what he pulled on Alonso because he moved while breaking. Stewarting was poor for sure. Yes. No, but one thing I, I, I believe I, I believe is that okay today the uh, stewards took a leaf out of the Michael Massey book where you do stewarding based on the rule set by Michael Massey. Is, the rule is very simple. What you feel? You do it. So that's what that had happened. The whole point of the problem with Michael in that, Massey. In that case, why did why why did they um, force Michael Massey to resign? If that is the case, exactly. why was Michael Massey the scapegoat? Exactly. And he was the scapegoat. <laughs> no, no. He was yeah, the exactly. scapegoat. Let us not bring by 2021. <laughs> because I would argue <laughs> that forever. No, yes, okay. And another point. One last point, Vivek. Yeah. We, we normally we, we speak about the best drivers, uh, the the biggest positives, the the best positive surprise. But what was, in your opinion, the biggest negative surprise of the race? Now, for me, the biggest negative surprise of this race was far and away Valtteri Bottas. I don't know what happened over there. Oh yeah, he ended up eight nineteen. 
something like that. Yes. Yeah, uh, he was a long way off. Show is. Yeah. Do you think Valtteri is reaching the end of his career? Is he? He doesn't seem to have the fire anymore. I agree with you. He doesn't seem to have the fire because yeah. at the moment he started off over there, say Alfa Romeo, saying that he is having a great time, no pressure. But turns out when he's having no pressure, he's not performing at all. Correct. Yeah, but uh, so Sunny, in that way, I would say that okay, the biggest negative for me would be Charles Leclerc's race. Charles Leclerc, we don't know if there was a problem with the car. We still, they still have to analyze and tell us. Uh, they're quite confident that there was a problem with the car. We don't know yet. This is the man who qualified on pole position last year and was racing at the front. Whereas with Valtteri Bottas, there was no apparent issue with the car. It, it just seems to be very slow. I mean, for me, I would say the so, Haas. In right, comparison, where Joe, they have been Joe showing Manu so far. Finished in ninth. Sorry, Vivek. So. Yeah, I was saying the Haas for me was a bigger disappointment in terms of the uh, optimism that they've been showing. You know, they just didn't have any pace today in the race, and everyone was just yeah. going past them. So I think that was for me the biggest disappointment. Hmm. See, True. with Haas, I don't have that much of a high expectation from them. Yeah. So when they perform well, there's like amazing. But when they don't, we're like, okay, that's sort of expected. But even though Alfa Romeo isn't doing great, Valtteri Bottas is a great driver, or or was a great driver. If Joguanyu can finish in ninth, Bottas has to be somewhere near him. Ahead of him, ideally, being the senior driver. Ahead of him, ideally, yes. But at least near him. Hmm. No, but, but the point. Uh, but the point is that okay, Valtteri Bottas never had like performed like exceptionally in Mercedes. Also, the only thing he had was to okay, like at least help him. Get the WDC and uh, score some decent points, but there was never an exceptional even in Mercedes. So in, by that front, I believe that okay, his performance today was. Just... Vivek, if you don't mind, I have one more question that I'd like. That's really on my mind. That I'd like to ask you as well. Now. The uh, the question of Sergio Perez, yes, good recovery drive and all of this was, is, is fine. But he is underperforming in what is clearly the fastest car of, of the field. Perez should have been second today, no question, or at least third, considering how fast the Mercs were. Now there is speculation, of course, there's a lot of rumors in Formula One, but there's a lot of speculation that Perez might not make it to next year. This will be the last year at Red Bull, although he is contracted, yes, but we know that doesn't have much weight in, in F1 anymore. Is there a chance that Perez um, races his last season with Red Bull this year? Well, if he keeps with the same performance, he might. Because in qualifiers, he was out in Q2. He should have essentially been out in Q, Q1. Q1. But Leclerc yeah. did not make it, so he was out only in Q2. Um, <laughs> in, even in the race, yes, he had a great race from P11 to P4. But when his... When, when his teammate is winning by a 24 second margin, P4 does not make P4 does not cut it, right? Because you still expect him to come and somehow at least come at the podiums. So if he keeps up with the same performance like this, where he isn't performing at least up to the mark or at least coming within the podium places, he might not even currently he's the second level at the 
championship but i'm pretty sure if he d- keeps doing this he'll be out of that as well i have a conspiracy theory hmm. he raises his hand to say that he can be the world driving champion so now the team is putting him in his place <laughs> well it's red bull you you don't know <laughs> it's red bull it might actually be possible <laughs> You know, you know one thing. They have a history of doing uh, that. Considering your question, oh yeah, Sunny, uh, considering your question of feathers, right? Um, and considering the history which Red Bull has of sacking drivers in the mid-season, if he performs like this, he might be sacked in the mid-season also. Why wait for the end of the season? So he's know, contracted till next year. But of course, yeah, but that's still, meaningless. That doesn't make any sense for Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, Red Bull has a history. Hmm. Red Bull contract is like written on t- tissue paper. Just hey, you know the positive of that, Danny Boy can come back. Would would I Ricardo think want to come back to the Red Bulls? They might put him in uh, Alpha Tauri and take someone from there, because the, I'm pretty sure they don't want Danny Boy in the Red Bulls. Yeah, because in 2018 also, when when uh, Danny Rick was so established in Red Bull, even that time he was unable to compete with. Max for Stappen. Max, yes. So now, now, um, now with Max being the team leader, double world champion, and so much of momentum, and probably three-time champion by the end of this year, impossible. I don't see it happening. Even if this, if it's offered, I can't see Ricardo taking it because Verstappen was the reason he left in the first place. Yeah, but I mean, he has mellowed down over the years. He's kind of figured out where his place is, and he'd be a good wingman in terms of making sure that he comes in second. Maybe you never know. You they might give him a shot, especially if it's a mid-season change. Yeah, like end of season, I get it. They can swap the drivers around, but mid-season they wouldn't want to change the formula that dramatically. So they that would be easier to just swap. Uh, him don't in. count on it because Max Verstappen change happened mid-season. He in his second season he was with he was yeah. with then uh, Toro Torres. No, no, no. I'm just Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso, which he got then swapped into uh, Red Bulls, and then the Red Bull driver got switched back. Right, mm. so it's Red Bull. You can never discount do you, them. Do you know the backstory behind that, Satya? So the backstory um, behind, yeah. Yeah, this guy. For I forgot the the Kvyat, right? Daniel Kvyat. So Kvyat. he did run it before that. Yeah, he ran into Sebastian and ruined his race, and so the, uh, Sebastian yes. complained to Red Bull management, who he still had good connections. Yes, we saw that on TV also, and that is what happened. But even before that, even no. before that entire incident, Max Verstappen was pursued by Mercedes, and was highly considered to be a Mercedes young driver rather than a Red Bull young driver. But the reason why Max Verstappen was promoted so quickly is because they could all see, whether it's Mercedes or Red Bull, they could all see that this kid was quite a quite a talent. Mercedes told um, Max that you have to wait to get into F1, whereas Red Bull told Max that we're going to put you in F1 at the earliest opportunity. It was in the contract, and so that is the reason why Max is now driving with Red Bull Racing. So the first opportunity that was available, it was given to Max, and so happened that Kvyat crashed into seven. All of this happened. These are all, um, this all just pre-pawned what was inevitably going to happen. Well, the reason, the as soon as Max was put into F1, Formula One had to change their rules as well because Max was that he, was, he didn't even have a driver's license when he was promoted to race in Formula One. And now look, 16, this is his fortieth, sixteen, yeah, fortieth victory, four zero. Ayrton Senna, 4-0, the legendary, yeah. yeah, Ayrton Senna is only 
uh, at 42. So another two, three victories and Max is ahead of Senna as well. This is two more and, races. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at, the current, at the current pace. It's um, going to be interesting to see where Max ends up. Cool. With that interesting trivia, we're going to close out and all meet up for the Canadian Grand Prix. Once again, thank you to all our panelists for speaking your minds out, sharing that interesting trivia and your thoughts about the post-race for the Spanish Grand Prix. While the number one seems to be a sealed deal, uh, there is a lot of movers and shakers in all the other places, and that's what's been keeping us excited. So to all our viewers, thank you for tuning in. Please share your comments, thoughts, as always. Share, like, subscribe, and thanks everyone once again. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thanks a lot.